What's up, everybody? This is Brandon Thorne, and I wanted to welcome you to the inaugural episode of the Trench Warfare Podcast presented by Blue Wire. First, I want to thank Kevin Jones and the Blue Wire team for this amazing opportunity to have a platform to discuss my thoughts, views, and opinions on football. This is going to be a weekly 30-minute show that will focus on the world of O&D line play, and topics are going to range across the NFL, such as schematic trends, unit and player evaluation, and general NFL current events, news, notes, and more. So before we get into the topics for this specific episode, I wanted to first talk about why I started this podcast and wanted to start this podcast, and it was because of my love for the trenches, specifically offensive line play. So I've, I've long appreciated offensive line play for as long as I've been a football fan, but I began really studying and really getting into the nuances of the position about four years ago when I left the military and began my journey as a football scout. And in that process, I quickly realized there was a sort of a, a market inefficiency or a lack of analysis in the media, both in terms of quantity and quality regarding offensive line play. So this is when it occurred to me that you know I had an opportunity here to begin placing most of my focus on reading and learning about the position group, and that's what I did. I, I you know immediately um, kicked it off by taking courses in the scouting academy, and that taught me how to really watch film and how to write scouting reports. And then from there, I just started studying books, uh, reading a lot, attending clinics, seminars, and most of all, picking the brains of people smarter than myself so that I could arm myself with insight that wasn't currently available on Twitter. And that's really where the most of my work is done. You can follow me there, at Brandon Thorne NFL. And that's really where I provide most of my analysis on the game. I work for the Scouting Academy now, and I contribute to USA Football as an O&D line analyst. And, you know, this podcast really is the next step for me to expand on my analysis while bringing on a variety of guests, such as coaches, players, and media analysts, to offer unique insight to you into these topics. And I hope that I could be a place you go for insightful, smart, and fun football talk. So with that being said, I wanted to briefly touch on the battle in the trenches that is going to take place in the Super Bowl between the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams. So first, let's talk about the Patriots offensive line. So when I think of the Patriots offensive line, and what I've been looking at on film from them over the last, you know, about four years or so, it, it really kind of uh, starts with, you know, their ability to acquire talent in places that other people, you know, aren't willing to, to, to go necessarily. You know, I think they're somewhere around 29 or 30. They're definitely in the bottom, you know, fourth of the NFL in terms of cap space spent on offensive line this year. And considering their performance, that's remarkable. But it isn't very surprising because they have Dante Scarnecchia as their offensive line coach, who is really should be considered the godfather of offensive line coaching right now in the NFL. He's in his 47th season as a coach. He's in his 35th season as an NFL coach. He's the longest tenured NFL coach right now and the longest tenured Patriots coach in team history. Um, so he has, you know, obviously a, an incredible track record of success, of longevity, you know, and of production in terms of what he's put on the field and in, in, in his players and the way he's been able to develop players. And you look at this unit, it's no different this year. You know, they, they brought in Trent Brown from the San Francisco 49ers via trade. They moved him to left tackle. 
for the first time in his career, at least on a, a permanent basis. He played it here and there in San Fran, but not you know never full-time. He was a right tackle, and he's playing the best football of his career, and he's upgraded from Nate Solder last year. So this is really the best offensive line that New England maybe has ever had in, you know, at least in the last decade, you know. So, and, and what's so fascinating about it is, you look at their offensive line, they're not spending a lot of money on it. And, you know, the left tackle, Trent Brown, he's a seventh-round pick. Joe Tooney, the left guard, he's the highest-drafted guy in the unit. He's a third-rounder. The center, David Andrews, is undrafted, was undrafted. Shaq Mason, the right guard, is a fourth-round pick. And then the right tackle, Marcus Cannon, is a fifth-round pick. So they're getting guys at an incredible value. They're not spending a lot of money on the position, yet they're a top-five unit in the league. And, you know, it's just you can't really, you know, say, you know, enough nice things about this offensive line. Um, but when you're talking about, about, you know, what they do so well on the field and you watch the film, you know, they're the definition of a multiple scheme. They run inside zone, outside zone, power, trap, wham. Um, they use the second most uh, amount of 21 personnel, which is two backs, one tight end in the entire NFL. At least they did in the regular season. So they use a lot of, you know, fullback uh, blocking and James Devlin, which, you know, is just a lot of fun to watch. And it, it's very difficult for teams to, to defend against because, as we all know, this is an offensive league right now. It's very spread out. There's a lot of passing. And the Patriots have the ability to line up with an old school fullback and basically, you know, run through the A and B gaps. And linebackers just aren't equipped physically to really handle that you know, right now in the NFL. And that's where in this Super Bowl, I think that the Patriots can control this game is if they're able to handle the interior defensive line of the Rams in the run game, which I think that they should be able to, to, to a certain degree, I think if they can get to that second level, it's going to be trouble for the Rams because their linebackers are, you know, nickel and dime type linebackers, you know, like most of the league. And I don't know if they're going to be able to handle this old school twist that the Patriots can throw at them mixed in with all their, you know, traditional concepts that most of the teams in the NFL run. So that's really where I start when I think about the Super Bowl in the trenches. And, you know, we can go to the other side as well and talk a little bit about the Rams offensive line. And this unit right here is definitely a top five unit in the league. You know, I've said this many times on Twitter over the regular season. Uh, you know, you can make a case to their top three unit over the course of the season. And that's just by looking at the film and just watching their production and how well they work together. You know, they they run a lot of uh, outside zone, wide zone, you know, type of uh, of concepts, pin pull. Um, but in the playoffs, they've ran more uh, 12 personnel with an additional tight end and, and gone to more inside zone, you know, with C.J. Anderson. But First and foremost, they're an 11 personnel team. They ran it more than any team in the NFL did this past season, 77% of the time. And all personnel stats, real quick, are, are via Warren Sharp and his website, which you know I highly recommend checking out and following him on Twitter. He keeps track of a lot of really fascinating data across the NFL, and his personnel listings uh, in terms of uh, tracking all the personnel in the NFL is, is, is really worth checking out. So... Um, with that being said, this Rams offensive line is a lot of fun to watch. They're very, very technically sound in what they do. They work together very well. There, there's tons of combo blocks on this offensive line just by nature and, you know, running the zone scheme. So, you know, the zone scheme with offensive linemen, so much, so much of it is, is predicated on the next guy. You know, it, it's 
it's not just really it's not like a gap scheme where you know really like that double team you know on that three technique is kind of is going to really set the tone you know if you're running outside zone it's all kind of linked together equally which makes communication and cohesiveness so important and that's a testament to not only the players but also their offensive line coach Aaron Cromer who has been phenomenal in the NFL. He's one of the very best offensive line coaches in the league. The Rams had the third-ranked rush offense in 2018, the eighth-ranked last year in 2017, and Cromer before that was in Buffalo for two years. So get this, in Buffalo, 2016 and 2015, his two years, they, they ranked number one in the NFL in rushing offense both years. And the year prior to him getting here, getting there to Buffalo, they were 25th. And Cromer, I mean, he sent 16 players to um, earn a total of 23 Pro Bowl appearances in his career as a coach, which is really impressive. Prior to Buffalo, he was in Chicago and New Orleans. If you remember the New Orleans offensive lines when Drew Brees won a Super Bowl, Cromer was the offensive line coach for those as well. So he has a long track record of success, and he's brought that with him to Los Angeles. And uh, McVay, you know, for all the things that are said about him, I think probably the most underrated thing is his ability to hire a great staff. And, you know, that starts with Wade Phillips, I think, as defensive coordinator. And right, like, 1A is Wade, 1B is Aaron Cromer. And what he's done with that running game, I think, you know, speaks to that. So, you know, I think that this offensive line in this game I think both offensive lines have the upper hand for sure against uh, the defensive fronts of their opposition. Um, you know, Andrew Whitworth, uh, Roger Saffold are two of the most um, overwhelmingly powerful guys in terms of left tackle, left guards in the league. You watch some of these wide zone runs this year with Saffold and Sullivan double teaming a guy and Whitworth blowing open that front side. I mean, just the torque and the hand usage, hand placement. Um, and strength that Whitworth has is, is really incredible. Um, you know, he's 37 years old and playing at a very high level. Sullivan, I think, is 35 or so. So a little bit older of a unit. Saffold's in his early 30s. You know, Blythe and Havenstein on the right side are kind of their young guys, but definitely a very um, um, experienced veteran group up front who are not going to make a lot of mistakes, who are going to set a firm pocket up front for Goff, and, you know, it's it's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch the Super Bowl matchup. With that being said, I wanted to move on to a special player interview that I have today for you in the first episode of the Trench Warfare podcast. And it's going to be with 12-year veteran and San Francisco left tackle, Joe Staley. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Thorne with the Trench Warfare Podcast, and I'm here with 12-year veteran, San Francisco 49ers left tackle, Joe Staley. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on. I understand this is the first episode, or maybe one of the first, so I appreciate you having me on being one of the kickstarters off this podcast. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I've, the pleasure's all mine. You know, you're, you're a guy who I've been watching for a lot of years now. Uh, we're, we're roughly the same age. I, I'm a little bit younger than you, but you know, I really started following you when you came out of central Michigan. So this is, this is an honor to, to have you on. I appreciate it. So, you know, I wanted to start there, you know, at, at central Michigan, you know, you, you arrived on campus around, uh, 225 pounds or so, you know, two star prospect playing tight end and, you know, coming into your senior or your sophomore year, excuse me. 
you got asked to play offensive line. Um, what was that process like? How did you respond to that initially? And, you know, how did that, how did you receive that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, at first it's a shock because, I mean, if you're a, you know, the tight end and I played as a true freshman and um, I thought I had a pretty good year. We had a new coaching change with Brian Kelly coming in and got asked to switch the tackle. So I wasn't too thrilled with it just because I thought, you know, you don't, you don't get too thrilled about moving the offensive line when you're uh, used to catching the ball and right. all that stuff. But right. it was something that also at the same time, like I didn't have a bunch of aspirations to go on and play in the NFL. I thought it was just cool that I was getting a full scholarship to play football in college. So I was uh, under the mindset of just, you know, whatever the team needs, then uh, I'll do it. And if that's what they need, then I'll do it. So went right. into the spring and um, went into the spring uh, season and played right tackle that year and kind of fell in love with it pretty quickly. And then also the coaches was just, you know, they were just like, try to gain as much weight as you can. So I fell in love with that as well. And um, just being able to eat whatever I wanted to eat <laughs> and try to gain as much weight as I could. So that's kind of where the process started in my sophomore year in the spring. And then uh, you know, I, get, I gained about 20 pounds every year. So my first year I played about 250 pounds at right tackle. And I wow. uh, was doing a lot of cut block, doing a lot of cut blocking. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I remember my first game against Michigan State, or one of the first ones. Um, I was going against a defensive end. I was like 290 pounds, and I was 250. And like the second series, I came over to the <laughs> sideline. I'm like, I can't stop them, so I'm just going <laughs> to cut block on every. It was probably the only game that anybody's ever cut block on every single like two, two, three jet, you know, drop back, five step protection, seven step protection. I'm just sitting there, setting my point, and then cut blocking because I couldn't sustain it. <laughs> any kind of anchor um That's so it was crazy. interesting that first year i don't play i don't think i played very well obviously um and then the next year i was about 270 275 pounds um started playing a little bit better and then my senior year i was about 290 295 and then uh started getting looked at for the nfl right so so yeah that's you know kind of where i wanted to go next you know you you entered the draft process after that you know, as a left tackle, you know, only playing the position for a couple of years, but you know, at your pro day, you came out, you ran a four seven nine forty yard dash, and I know at the time, you know, when I was paying attention to the draft and stuff, you know, I know that was a big deal, you know, one of the fastest times ever, you know, at the combine, even though, or not the combine, excuse me, just for a forty yard dash in general for offensive line, and you know, we know now, you know, that forty yard dashes are, you know, maybe a little bit overrated for offensive line, but still nonetheless, you know, to run that at that time was, you know, it took everybody by surprise. And I think that kind of, you know, boosted your name up a little bit. But since then, you know, you've really established yourself as much more than just a, you know, a great athlete playing the position. Although, you know, I think that that bleeds into everything you do. Um, and, you know, you know, coming right into the NFL, you know, after only playing for a couple years in college, you started every game as a rookie. You know, you're the first 49ers offensive lineman to do that, I think, since the 60s, I think 1968. Uh, you also didn't miss a single snap. So right off, you know, right out of the gate, you come out, you know, you don't miss a game, don't miss a snap. You play really well at the position. But there's there's a lot that goes into that aside from athleticism, obviously. So 
I wanted to get kind of get your thoughts on um, some of the key traits that you think, you know, lend themselves to success on the field as an offensive lineman. Um, you know, and just a few things that I wanted to touch on as well was, you know, when I watch your film, when I study your game, I, I'm really, I think the first thing that stands out to me is how explosive you are out of your stance. And that allows you to really kind of get ahead of the game, you know, especially in pass protection, you know, getting to your spot, um, playing, you know, with that inside out relationship on defenders and really kind of dictating terms to them. And, you know, I've seen you vertical set. I've seen you, you know, switch it up and jump set guys. So, you know, when you're playing the position and, you know, you're, you're this refined at it, how did that process start, you know, as a rookie and how have you been able to maintain it at such a high level all this time? Um, all right. So, I mean, just, uh, getting into like, I was pretty lucky. I was, um, I went to a good room my rookie year. Um, a lot of hardworking guys just kind of showed me what, you know, work was about in the NFL. Um, but like, I think any rookie that comes in the league, it's pretty overwhelming at first just because of the different speed and how fast everything is and you know, how much, all, you know, how quickly you have to be able to process information as well. That was a lot different yeah. from where I was in college and the college game in general, especially now, I think it's even more prevalent. Um, so that was a big adjustment point for me. Um, but I was pretty lucky where I had a really good uh, high school head football coach, Ralph Munger in Rockford, Michigan, who really, I mean, along with my parents, but he really instilled in me like, don't do stuff for accolades. Don't do stuff to get recognized. Don't do stuff for individual stats. It's about the team. It's about doing everything you can do for the team. And the only way you're going to get there is if you work incredibly hard and be consistent at that work. And so I've had that kind of mindset since I was in high school, which I think a lot of people, I don't know, especially now, don't. Um, yeah. You know, it's a different day and age now, but I was able to come up when, you know, that was really just kind of, you know, hammered in, to my brain over and over at a young age. And so I was able to carry that through college. And I think that's what enabled me to be in a position to be drafted um, was that work ethic that I had in college. And then when I got to the NFL, the same that kind of thing. Um, just that work ethic of being consistent every single day in what I do and what I was trying to do and what I was trying to accomplish and not changing and, you know, not being super excited for football for three weeks out of the year. And then the next week <laughs> is a drop off. Um, you know, it's about that same enthusiasm that you have every single day for what you do and try to be the best at it, but not try to be the best at it to get recognition or, you know, to play for accolades, but just try to help out the team and, and do what you love to do. So I think first and foremost, that's one of the things that's really been able to carry me through my whole entire career. It's just that work ethic that was instilled very young in me. Yeah, um, definitely. But then getting to like more of like the techniques and stuff like that. And I came in and I really have, was kind of a blank slate, and um, my rookie offensive line coach, George Warhop, was um, he was awesome for me at that point because he really gave me like a crash course in what it was to be a professional, and um, not only just on the field and in the in the classroom and all that, but you know what it means to be a professional and how do you conduct yourself on and off the field all the time to to eliminate stresses because what we do as a profession is especially at the professional level, there's enough stress there is or there's enough stress as it is. So right. he was really great as far as just like giving me the complete crash course and like everything I needed to do. Um, and then, um, 
so rookie year, I, I was just kind of a blank slate. He molded me basically into, uh, you know, this is how we practice, this is what we do. And I think that couple in the work ethic allowed me to have a you know, pretty successful year. And But I never, I don't know, um, when we can get into more like technique and all that stuff later, but just kind of like yeah, the mindset sure. of going in. Like I've never looked at it as, um, I don't know, I think it's been a little different. Uh, for me, is that I never. I mean, this might be. I mean, just kind of thinking out loud here. This might be one of the reasons why I'm being able to last for as, as long as I did. Because I never, coming from high school to college, I thought it was just unbelievable that I was getting an opportunity to play in college and get, you know, a Division One offer, regardless if it was at Central Michigan or anywhere. I just thought it was that was the coolest thing. I had no aspirations when I was in high school to go to college, play football, and so to get the opportunity was really cool. Yeah. When I was in college, I never had any aspirations to be an NFL football player. I just thought it was really cool to play in college and just try to work as hard as I could to be the best player as I could. And then the opportunity, because of that work, came and I had the opportunity to play in, in the NFL. And when I got to the NFL, it was kind of the same thing. I was like, I never had aspirations to be a Pro Bowl player and play for you know, super long career. I just thought it was really cool to be in the NFL and I was going to work as hard as I could to make it last and just enjoy what I was doing. So I think that mindset was really important for me earlier in my career. Right. Yeah. Never take anything for granted, basically, you know, and yeah, really work for everything you have. You could definitely, you know, just see that on the field, but it's really cool to hear that. And, you know, the, the, the background that you have, you know, mentioning your parents and then coaches, you know, influences that you've had, you know, I know that that's such a big part of so many pro guys' careers, you know, making it that far. You can't do it with, you know, such a strong supporting cash, which sounds like, you know, something that you, you do have, which is really cool to hear. And I think inspirational for a lot of, you know, aspiring players and, you know, people listening to this as well, um, you know, and you know, like you said, you, you've had such a such a great career because of that mindset. You know, you have 174 career starts, and, you know, last year you started every game, and, you know, you've been to multiple Pro Bowls, been named All-Pro, all that kind of stuff. And I know offensive linemen, you know, they, they'll, they'll never really talk about this stuff, you know, individually, and a lot of people won't mention this stuff. But that's kind of why I, I exist, I think, you know, on Twitter is because, you know, I like – bringing attention to to the offensive linemen and I know some guys don't you know really like it necessarily but I think you know if you're one of the best at your position and you're playing football even if you're offensive lineman I mean you should get some recognition for it you know and you know obviously offensive linemen get the least so I kind of like being somebody to to bring attention to to guys like you and um you know with all that being said you know as far as uh players maybe um that you've modeled your game after you know coming up you know as a rookie and then just throughout the years are there certain guys that you've looked to on film specifically that you've tried to you know take pieces from their game and add them to your own you know i've tried i've tried you know especially younger when i uh you know coming up and when i was coming in the guys that are established were guys like you know, Walter Jones and uh, Jonathan Ogden and Willie Rowe. Legends. Yeah. Yeah, all these guys that are, you know, Hall of Famers now, but those are the guys that were the, you know, the, the cream of the crop as far as right. offensive tackles go. But, you know, I'm I'm a 300-pound kid that's six foot five with average measurables and all that stuff. Um, 
that was really that was kind of different. I couldn't really like I'm not gonna watch Jonathan Ogden and be like, okay, yeah, I can do this. You know, six foot nine, three fifty. I mean, you guys, you guys have a completely different game than I than I do. Um, yeah. So I tried, you know, at first to watch a lot of different guys, but um, and there's things that I could take like, you know, here and there, but um, it wasn't a deal where I was like, you know, trying to emulate what they were doing. I was just trying to get the best at what felt comfortable for me. And, you know, the way that I wanted to play the game. Um, and there's different things that you can watch. I and mean, I'm watching not even specific players, but, like, constantly watching guys, even currently, like, all across the league, just, uh, you know, the footwork and stuff like that that they have and, you know, comparing it to what I'm doing on film and, you know, maybe if I can get a little bit more efficient here or a little bit more efficient there. But it's also, I mean, at the point right now, it's much more of a, a constant, like, adjustment of my own game as opposed to trying to emulate someone else. Um, yeah, and I think it's because you know I I actually my we can go down this road and this is a little story. I my first year in the league when I came in in 2007, there weren't guys that were my size that were playing offensive tackle. Right, you know they were kind of blazed 325, trail. 330. I mean, me and Joe Thomas really were the start of like the, the smaller, you know, athletic tackles yep. that were coming in. Yeah, There's a lot of guys that were like 325, 330 pounds. So I got in the league and everybody was telling me, hey, you need to gain weight. You know, you're going to you know, keep your foot speed and all that stuff. That medicine you have is really good, but we need you to get bigger to, you know, handle these bull rushes. Because a lot of defensive ends, too, at the time, they weren't the Von Miller types. They weren't the speed rushes off the edge. They were the guys like, you know, James Hall, who was 285 pounds that were going to bull rush you and right. Grant Winstrom and different guys like that, you know, there's some speed rushers here and there, but a lot of the guys were just, uh, you know, the big bruising type of defensive ends and like Bruce Smith kind of mold, yeah. um, you yeah. know, and the Reggie White kind of mold of like, that was the, the end of that era of defensive ends there. Um, so I gained, when I got in the league, I mean, I gained, until my third year, I gained 20 pounds and I got to be about 325 pounds. Oh wow! And after my third year, I mean, I was playing absolutely. I felt, I felt awful. Um, I was losing my foot speed and the stuff that I felt like got me into the NFL, and um, I was really struggling. And so then that offseason between my third and fourth year, um, it was the year, maybe the third or fourth or fourth and fifth year. Um, that's when I just kind of went this whole offseason. I'm like, I'm going back to my roots. I'm going back to what I what I was when I first got in the league. So I lost like 30 pounds that summer and really trained hard and um, tried to keep me you know, the strength up and to combat those bull rushes and all that stuff. I needed the strength, obviously, to be there, but I, I couldn't be at that weight. So then that's kind of when I transformed myself into what I am currently. And it's, you know, I play around anywhere between 295 and 305. Kind of fluctuates there, but. Got you, yeah, and I mean that's kind yeah. of the more of the norm, you know, now today. But it's interesting. Yeah, how, today that's the norm. Yeah, you know, and you kind of were, really. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a great point. That's something I was thinking of before you mentioned that you were kind of the first guy, you know, that really changed the game in that way. And you know, you were ahead of your ahead of the ahead of your time for sure. You know, considering what the league is now, being such a passing league where it's all about you know quickness, athleticism, and stuff like that. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, you know, so I wanted to talk about a little bit about you on film, you know, and just things that, you know, I see and maybe, 
you know, we could talk about, you know, if I'm seeing it right or, you know, you could just expound upon some of these things. You know, one of the things that I've been noticing um, a little bit more as I study more film, because I really started watching like all 22 offensive line play like maybe three, four years ago. So that's really kind of the time frame that I'm working on where I, you know, can talk about guys and what they do well and maybe what they don't and stuff like that. So, you know, with that being said, you know, one thing that I've noticed, especially this last year with guys, you know, like you, um, really all the best guys, David Bakhtiari, um, Teron Armstead, a lot of these high level left tackles, they have, you know, sort of a pass set that they really are comfortable with, you know, like a vertical set, say, and, you know, I know it depends on the alignment of the defensive, you know, end that you're going against and maybe his tendencies and things like that. But I've seen a uh, an ability of a lot of these top level guys to switch up their pass sets, you know, into, you know, they'll throw, you know, vertical, 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 and then they'll hit them with the jump set. And I know maybe some of that's predicated off of wh where the ball's going and stuff like that. But can you talk about sort of, you know, how you go about um, switching up your pass sets? Is it all based on the scheme that you're running or is it based on what the player does well or just keeping them guessing? Like, how do you go about that, that, you know, approach during the week and, you know, on game day? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything when you're talking about. I mean, some okay. plays, obviously, it's predicated based on the play call. Yeah. And then there's... Uh, you know, then also there's a, there's a complete chess game that you're playing with that defensive end, especially if you're not right. switching up all the time. They're staying on your side the whole time. and it's, You know, it's a big just kind of uh, chess match that you're playing with them. And there's no, for me, there's no, like, rhyme or reason. Um, you know, like you said, it, it definitely have a, you have a pass set that's, like, your bread and butter. This is what, you know, mine is kind of like a 45, but not, it's not really an angle set, not really a vertical set. It's kind of, you know, back and I don't even know how it's kind of at like it, a backwards diagonal type of angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, it's a set that you feel comfortable with and that's, you know, that's what you go with. But then, like you said, there's, there's all these different sets. And really, I mean, I only really do three. So it's like I'll do vertical, I'll do angle sets, which my angle set's kind of more like a vertical angle. And then it's just your short set. And um, there's variations off your short set that you can do. But for me, it's not been a thing that I've, um, you know, it's, I want to be able to do like what I do with my sets is I'm, what I'm practicing and doing full speed and practices and the drill work and the individuals is what I'm going to carry over to the games. So if I'm not doing, you know, if I'm not varying up and getting enough sets in of a certain, you know, I'm not going to all of a sudden just throw in a, you know, two-step short vertical set of out of nowhere because, I mean, because Bakhtiari does it and it works well for him. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't practice that enough. Yeah. You know, we don't do that. So I'm not going to just throw that in there. Right. Um. So do what's it's comfortable just, for you. It's just a chess match, and it's not really like a, you know, I wish I had something like I'm looking at something or I'm seeing something like that. You know, you can look at the feet of guys and, you know, study the way they're aligned. And, and if you feel like you can, sh you can short set them and get, get to him before, you know, if his, if his feet's aligned a certain way and you feel like you can get there before that second step can get down, it's usually beneficial to, you know, throw in a short set or whatever. Um, but that also is predicated on his alignment, how, how wide he is, 
Um, yeah. For me, I'm, I really just I just kind of play. You know, I don't really have yeah. a mindset. <laughs> no, it sounds like. I mean, that's. I'm not it, it super technical. I mean, I'm really technical as far as like my footwork and 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 that and and repping all that stuff and doing everything as fast as I can. But for me, it's like all about what you talked about a little bit earlier. It's like speed of the game and not overthinking it and letting my muscle muscle. Oh man, there's a stutter. Letting my muscle memory take over. Right. It's more about what you can control than anything. Yes. And it's something I've been doing for, you know, college level plus pro 16 years um, (laughs) is working on these different types of sets. And that mindset that I've had before about like always working, um, trying to do everything I can. So I was like, if it's a walkthrough, I'm the kind of guy that's going to do, you know, I'm going to take a full speed set and then to the contact point, I'm not going to punch anybody or anything like that, but I'm going to work my feet at full speed. So I'm not going to waste a rep and opportunity to like feel what my feet are like and make sure I'm grooved in my set and all that stuff. So it's all about speed and explosion for me. It's all about the get off the ball and speed and explosion and everything after that to sound play. No, I got you. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, usually it's how you start is how you finish, and it seems like with you that's such a huge key because really how you start out of your stance is one of the really one of the prettiest things in football, in my opinion. You know, you coming out of your stance is you're you know nine times out of ten the quickest guy out. So, and I know that that kind of dictates the rest of the rep a lot of the time as well. So, it makes sense for you. You know, if you win early, you can win the rep usually, but. You know, I just I think of guys that you're going against, you know, like Chandler Jones in the division. I mean, that's one of the best matchups of the year every year, twice a year, you know, and I just, you know, a lot of times on film, it looks like it's, you know, such a, you know, a detail oriented. I mean, just small things like if your hand is six inches off or if you're, you know, whatever, just little things like that. I mean, then it could be the difference between a, a one and a lost rep, you know, and. I was just curious about a guy like Chandler Jones. Even, you know, I know Frank Clark is another kind of up-and-coming guy in the division who's, you know, really difficult for guys. Um, somebody like Chandler Jones, can you just talk a little bit about that matchup and since he's came into the division, what that's been like for you? Yeah, Chandler is a completely unique rusher, as in he won't he does a lot of unorthodox stuff and kind of yeah. like plays almost similarly how Alvin Smith used to play. Um, you know, the really long arms, but the way he kind of contorts his body and it's crazy, and it's not super explosive. You yeah. know, it's not like yeah. his, his get off of the ball is not super fast. Um, he's not going to really pressure you upfield with speed. Um, you know, his bull rush is, he's going to, he, he can move you back and his bull rush, if he catches you off guard, is, is definitely powerful. Um, but he's just so talented and like, flipping his hips and the movement and, and it's a lot of the hand fighting, you know, he wants yes. to get wrists and wrist grabs. It's a lot of the stuff that he does with his brother, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, getting all that different kind of stuff and using that against you. So a lot of the times going against him, it's like a really big kind of like, you know, the old offensive line drills, like a push pull, push pull drill that we used to do when I first came in the league a lot, which is just kind of like really, counteracting what he's trying to do really quickly and but at the same time where you win with a guy like that that's unorthodox is 
doing what you do well consistently and fast. And right. So like the approach that I take with him, you know, he presents different challenges, obviously, than on a lot of different players. But the approach that I take with him is the same that I'm going to take with every single guy in the league is that I'm not going to let him dictate what I do. I'm going to try to dictate to him and have him react off of me because once you go into the game and start trying to do different things, that's when you really get into trouble. Um, You know, a guy like Chandler, he's not going to be a guy that you're going to 100% shut out all the time. And, um, you know, that's the the goal, obviously. But, um, yeah. the way he is and the way he's wired, I mean, it's just, you're going to get edgy a little bit and it's just about reacting and, um, you know, getting those hands right and the feet and trying to keep your balance against him. I mean, he's big on like, if you're leaning at all on your hands or if you're too heavy on your hands or if you're, you know, he feels like you're not heavy enough. Um, he'll do a lot of different things. So yeah, I mean, it's one of those games where it's kind of like a chess match of just like feeling, uh, you know, that's where you might bring out a little bit more of like, a short set in the situation that you wouldn't normally do that or yeah you know keep him the, guessing. the vice versa yeah yeah keeping a guy like that guessing knocking off his timing i'm sure is big but yeah i mean the stuff that he yeah. does is crazy and then, yeah he's, he's he's wild yeah he is that's a good way to yeah. describe his game for sure but it, it works for him you know like you said is i think he has like 35 and a half inch you know arms so like pretty much as long, if not longer than every offensive lineman he's going against. It's crazy. And the way he yep. uses it is, is he's a lot of fun to watch, but yeah, that matchup was great. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, you know, in the run game, it's something I wanted to touch on real quick before I let you go. You know, when I, I, I think that's probably, you know, aside from the initial explosiveness that you show out of your stance, like in the run game, I mean, the stuff that you're doing, even at, you know, this point in your career, it's it's really it's really incredible. You just don't see a lot of guys, you know, 34 years old, you know, being a, an elite level puller, you know. And I think that's a, that's something that you do so well, you know, on that front side of runs, you know, getting out of your stance, you know, getting into space, lining up corners, you know, safeties, um, being able to you know line up smaller targets like that in space is is really impressive and it does a lot for the run game and then you know climbing to the second level off combo blocks to linebackers um but one thing i wanted to talk to you about that's a little more you know maybe unnoticed is on the backside of zone runs the way that you you know execute your backside cutoffs i think that's such a technical thing a lot of the times that you know i look for when i'm watching offensive linemen like on the backside of runs like how are they cutting these guys off and you don't see it at a like a really really high level very often. I think of a guy like Tyron Smith who does it really well, but I mean the way that you can like cut off a three technique, you know, on outside zone, the way that you get your hips and your hands across his frame. I mean, is that just something that just takes a lot of you know drill and repetition and practice and certain aiming points and things like that that you're going through like you know how do you how are you able to cut off three techniques like that on outside zone as consistently as you do a lot of it is um your repetition and technique but i think a lot of it is also mentality and that's something i try to really pride myself on is being um you know for me it's usually the opposite of what i feel like my career has been this way too it's um the opposite of what um is typical for a tackle, especially a left tackle, is where the left tackle kind of feels more at home and more comfortable and more, you know, well-rounded as a, you know, pass blocker. And then, 
you know, and playing in space and all that stuff where in the, you know, the guards and the inside guys that want to mash a little bit in the run game and all that stuff. But yeah. I wanted the, you know, the mentality to be a run blocker. And I've always tried to do that regardless if it's front side, back side, because especially in his own scheme, it's all incredibly important. Um, right. There's no like point of attack and there's like not one guy that's setting the block. It's, the front side tackle has to get stretch and movement. You know, he can't just flip a, you know, can't just like open the door and, you know, let the guy set the edge. He's got to get that guy horizontal movement down the line of scrimmage. So the guard is able to, so the running back's able to press the hole. All right. So then the yeah. three technique right there with the guard and center combination, they have to get vertical movement up to the linebacker, but they can only get vertical movement up to the linebacker if that front side tackle make, displaces that hole. So the running back can stretch it. Right. to get that linebacker to move over into that B-gap. And then that's where that backside line, or the, you know, the the shade actually will be. Unless I'm doing an over front, but... Yeah, no, I'm um, following you. So then the backside is where the, the hole will go backside, and everybody will see the backside cut, but it's also the, whole, the, the front side is what to set the table for that. So that's what's been exciting for me as a run blocker is, is that every single block is incredibly important to the success of football play. And I think it's what's so exciting also playing Kyle Shanahan's offense is that he really, really understands that and he really, really stresses that. Yeah, um, I love the zone so again, for that. Your point is that the, the, the backside um, the backside box, I mean, that's something that's that's been repped. And I think a lot of the guys, it's human nature, I think, too. And I think it's easier to coach where it's like, hey, lose ground and then try to like wheel around it and get vertical that way where I think also because it's easier and it's, you know, your body mechanics, it's easier to kind of drop step that and flip your hips and kind of, you know, lean your shoulder into them. And, I mean, you're not, you're not doing anything. So right. you know, what I've tried to always do is, you know, you have to gain with that first step, gain width and upfield with that first step. Second step has to set the table with your hips get that down fast and then it's on the track and you want to go vertical track like a 45. Yeah. So that's where the trust of the guard comes in because you have to know exactly what he's setting that track at hmm. and you have to see where the linebacker is going. And there's a lot of different variables. I'm kind of getting a long winded answer. Um, no, th this is what we want. I get fired up. About, I get fired up about run blocking. Um, yeah. You can see it. I mean, I, so, I love watching it. And a lot of it's just the technique of that and, I think where a lot of guys you know, sometimes will lose in the backside is when they, they, they drop step a little too much and they get too, too parallel to the line of scrimmage as far as and, – and they lose that upfield momentum. And, um, and they can't recover. And then there's also, like in the wide zone stuff, there's, there's, you'll get great displacement sometimes on a three technique you know, because your guard will be holding for the tackle and either because he's being coached or he's – you know, making up for the tackles footwork and waiting for him to get there. And then all of a sudden the linebackers shooting through and a play that should have been a 10 yard gain is now a gain of one. So it's a lot of different pieces that go into it and the trust of the guard and the tackle on the backside, you know, has to be on the same page. And that only comes to repetition and practice. And I think that's why practice is immensely important to uh, anybody's career. You know, you can't, you know, it's hard for anybody to be really successful in the league if they don't take practice and practice as serious as the games. Right. 
Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the answer and just taking me through, you know, and everybody through your thought process on that, because I think that that's so important and insightful. You know, it's not just, uh, you know, we're not always looking for the, you know, you know, cookie cutter type answer, you know, the, just hearing your thought process on it, I think is beneficial just because we can kind of, you know, understand, you know, the, the, the process that you're going through. So definitely appreciate that. And, and just really all your answers. I mean, you know, thank you for expounding on all these things in detail and um, just providing tremendous insight for everybody. I'm sure everybody's going to appreciate it. I know I do. So uh, I don't want to keep you much longer. So, you know, I just want to say thank you. And uh, we're excited to uh, watch you in 2019. I appreciate it. It's been fun for me. Thank you. Love talking ball. All right. Thanks, Joe. Hey, it's Brandon Thorne, and like the rest of us, you probably made a New Year's resolution. If you're planning to eat better, exercise more, be more patient, kinder, or whatever, it all starts with a good night's rest. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and enter my promo code COZY, and you'll get two premium MyPillows and two Go Anywhere pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on their four-pack, shipping is absolutely free. That's right, no shipping cost. Zippo, zilch, nada. And don't forget about their 60-day money-back guarantee. There's nothing better than the gift of restorative sleep. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and use my code COZY to get two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. MyPillow.com or call 800-966-1472. And remember, my promo code can be used for any offer on MyPillow.com. Again, that's promo code COZY. All right, everybody. So that was my interview with Joe Staley. I just want to thank Joe so much again for the time. You know, just a few weeks ago, he followed me on Twitter and I reached out to him and we were just talking about football. I talked to him about how long I've been watching him and he told me he was actually a big fan of mine, which I thought was very, very cool and humbling. And that interview, I thought he was very candid in his responses and it really allowed us to see what has made him such a successful pro, I think. Just in terms of his mindset, his work ethic, and who he is as a person, he's really taken advantage of every opportunity that he's had, and, and he's turned in the, you know one of the best careers ever at left tackle. I mean, 12 years now, 174 starts. Um, he's building a, a resume for Canton, that's for sure. So we'll, we'll see if he can you know put together a few more years at by all accounts, what he showed on film in 2018, I, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. So it's it's just a pleasure to watch him play, and I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. And I want to thank you so much for, for listening to this first episode of the Trench Warfare Podcast. And I just ask that you would uh, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the offseason with you guys, recapping the Super Bowl next week. And I have a lot of great guests in line for you guys and I hope that you'll join me in that and I'm looking forward to next week.